Hello, and welcome to the Artificial Podcast, with your host Nick Myers. Artificial Intelligence. Voice Recognition. Machine Learning. Robotic. Actionable Analytics. It is Nick's goal to help everyone understand how AI and voice technology are reshaping our lives both personally and within organizations. Your glimpse into the growing world of AI and voice first starts now. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Welcome to the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers, and I am here to help break down topics in emerging technology, artificial intelligence, and voice to help everyone understand how these technologies are impacting our lives both personally and within our organizations. The Artificial Podcast is brought to you by Red Fox AI. Red Fox AI helps give brands a voice by leveraging the power of AI and voice assistant technologies like Alexa and Google Assistant. If you or your organization is interested in sponsoring an episode, please send an email to the artificial podcast at redfox-ai.com. If you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the artificial podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for the artificial podcast. Thank you for listening, and now on to this week's episode. Hey, Artificial Podcasters, welcome back to another week and another episode of the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers, and this week I am extremely excited to welcome Jeff Adams to the Artificial Podcast. And I had the opportunity to meet Jeff for the first time at the Project Voice conference that happened this past January, and we had a couple of really great discussions. and. I got to learn more about Jeff and the amazing things that he's been able to work on and then ultimately founding Cobalt Speech, which is his current endeavor. So before Jeff and I break into our amazing conversation here, let me tell you a bit about Jeff Adams. Jeff is a leading figure in the world of commercial speech technology. He has been managing top-level speech and language technology research for more than 20 years. Prior to founding Cobalt Speech, Jeff held roles at Kurzweil AI, Nuance Dragon, Yap, and Amazon. Jeff led the teams that developed the core technology for Dragon Naturally Speaking, Yap Voicemail, and Amazon Alexa. At Cobalt, Jeff has assembled a team of elite speech scientists and engineers to build custom applications to meet the needs of their clients. Jeff is the author of 25 patents and several published research papers and serves on the board of several companies. Jeff, welcome to the Artificial Podcast. How are you? Nick, it is great to be here. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me uh, amidst all of the things happening in the world right now. And I think it's, it's clear that as we kind of look at everything going on, particularly the healthcare space and some other areas, I as we were just kind of chatting before we started recording here, I think voice and speech technology is really going to play a larger role in everything moving forward. So I'm really excited to be able to talk to you about some of that. But as we kind of kick things off here, I always like to learn from the incredible folks that I bring on the show, you know, what led you to get started working with artificial intelligence and speech technology that ultimately led you to work in extremely influential roles at companies like Nuance and Yap and Amazon? I, uh, do you know what I wanted to be when I was a kid, when I was like in high school or junior high school, 
uh, I wanted to grow up and be a secret code breaker. Um, that was, <laughs> I love it. That was my goal. And, um, and, and looking back, I think the, the thing that fascinated me about that was it was sort of in the intersection of, on the one hand, language, which I love, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, uh, math and, and science and sort of geeky techie stuff, which I also love. Uh, and, uh, and so um, I went to college, and in the back of my mind, this was my dream, um, but I began studying mathematics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, after a few years of studying mathematics, I, uh, <laughs> I saw... I saw that um, someone from the National Security Agency was coming to campus to interview uh, uh, co-op students. And I was, <laughs> awesome. I was a sophomore at the time. And I went and sort of barged my way in. They were looking for linguists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I barged my way in. I said, I'm a mathematician. I want to break codes for a living. <laughs> and I said, we don't, we don't hire undergraduates for that. That's a you know, pretty serious thing. And I said, "Give me a shot," and and he and he ended up giving me a shot. So it, really, uh, I was yeah, I was hired by the NSA to to uh, oh my gosh, be kind of a an apprentice codebreaker while I was an undergraduate, uh, and and spent a couple of years doing that, and was just fascinated by that. Um, and if I had been given the chance, uh, I probably would have done that the rest of my life. Wow. Uh, a lot of people who started there at the same time are, are still there, or uh, well, I'll give away my age. They're starting to retire now. They're um, still at the NSA. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, um, but I, I, I love that. I love the idea of taking uh, something that looked like, you know, noise or random mm-hmm. and being able to pick out the language, be able to figure out how to turn that into, into meaningful language. I, uh, I took a break for a couple of years to go get some more education in the process. Uh, I got married, I moved, I, I, uh, the, so the, I, I was disrupted for five years. And, and uh, during that time, um, th- this was in the late 80s, early 90s, the Cold War ended. And I went back and knocked, when I was done, I knocked on NSA's door and you know, contacted my old friends there. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, this is a really bad time. We're, you know, we're, we're contracting we're not hiring mm-hmm. uh, and i said well what am i gonna do what else am i gonna do that is <laughs> like that right and, and i started looking around and i realized that uh speech recognition was like it, it called out to me it said that's that's what you want to do so um so i sent out some feelers and uh, managed to uh, get hired by uh, kurzweil ai uh, one wow. of the early speech recognition companies back in the 90s and uh and and was able to kind of retrain myself uh and a lot of the things that i had learned applied a lot of things were new but it was very exciting uh and and i loved it and it was still the same kind of thing right it's where 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 you're now looking at like an audio signal and you're trying to pull the language out of it trying to figure out what what the uh what the information is that's in there mm-hmm. um and uh and anyway i love that and i and I, I i felt like i had found my home uh, and uh, have been doing that ever since, and just uh, don't really want to do anything else. I'm just I'm excited about uh, well speech technology generally, um, not not necessarily limited to speech recognition. There's a lot of other interesting stuff going on uh, when we work with speech, but that's how I got into it. 
Wow, that that that's that's such a cool story. I I have to say, you are probably now the only person I've ever met in my life who actually worked at the NSA. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, maybe the only one who uh, who, who who could tell you. Uh, right. Yeah. Wow. So when when you were at the NSA, were you strictly just doing the code breaking type work then, or did they have you working anything related to speech, or was it just strictly doing code breaking? Uh, you, know, you know, what's interesting. This was in the eighties, and speech was not really a thing yet. There were a few people um, at IBM Research that were starting to kind of develop the, the techniques for speech recognition. And there were some connections to, uh, to NSA and the code breaking community uh, and, that, and that group. Um, I didn't know anyone personally really well. I, mm -hmm. Well, I, I take that back. I knew one or two people who were, uh, who were involved, who were sort of working on looking at both of these things. And, uh, and they helped make some introductions when I, when I decided to get back into speech. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it uh, you know, it, it does, there's a, there's a lot of overlap on the technology in terms of, you know, information theory and uh, language modeling and oh, yeah. so forth. So it was, uh, it, it was fun. It was a good, it was a really good background. And, and, uh, uh, I, and and I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for the world. It was a great great time there. I was there for nearly a decade. Wow. I see. I'm I'm just taking all that in because I'm like that must have been such an incredible experience. And like you said, there there probably was a lot of overlap without maybe even realizing it at the time you were at the NSA. To of course everything that you have done since then, working at all these different speech recognition companies, and now going on to found Cobalt. That's that's really cool, Jeff. So. What has been the most fascinating aspect to you that you've found so far of AI, voice assistant, speech technology, or both that, that made you realize this is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? I know you mentioned the code-breaking aspect, but maybe looking beyond that, what really solidified you to where you were like, okay, it's speech technology for me. This is it forever. First, I'll give you a very technical answer. The one technical area that is kind of most solidly in the overlap between code breaking and speech recognition is, uh, is an area we call statistical language modeling, where you're trying to understand how words fit together, how letters and words and mm -hmm. sentences and so forth fit together and what word is likely to come after another word, things like that. Uh, and uh, that has from the from the very first day I was introduced to that concept uh, through today, I have been just fascinated by this idea of uh, statistical language modeling. Yeah, and uh, just trying to figure out how to characterize how words fit together and what you know. It, the The classic example is if you're reading a, if you're reading a book or a newspaper article and you get to the end of a page and you're in the middle of a sentence can you predict what the next word's going to be on the next page? Uh, and just trying to take everything into account of everything that, you, you know, that you've read up to that point and uh, everything you know about the language and everything you know about the world and mm -hmm. just so much information to take into that. So that's, uh, that's, probably, um, that's probably the technical area that has called out to me the most, that has made me feel like I just have a passion for this. Um, but where, uh, what, uh, if, if I can go beyond the technical, the thing that really ignites my passion here is 
how this is, it's a, it's a kind of a geeky, nerdy, techy subject, but it is also a super, uh, a very human subject. Right? Yes, this absolutely. People communicating with each other. And uh, I'm, I'm one of those unusual people who is kind of a techy nerd and also uh, socially very, you know, interested and outgoing and, and, and so <laughs> Yeah. You can tell you can you can't get me to shut up here. Uh, <laughs> so I, I I just love the you know the the way the speech technology and human interaction and human computer interaction are all playing out. I I, uh, I think there's a long uh, a long ways to go on that front. There's going to be a lot of uh, progress made over the coming decades of how people will talk to computers and how computers will enhance uh, people talking with each other. Absolutely. And I think, you know, having been in this space just a couple of years myself, of course, I think that the biggest thing that stand out to me, from what I found from a lot of people, yourself included, is that everybody kind of has a shared passion in the human aspect of this, because I think it's crucial when you look at a technology like this, where you're completely changing an interface that has existed for decades really since computers have been around and shifting that to the most natural form of human communication, the human outcome has to be focused on, right? So I, I really like that that's one of the big things for you that that motivates you and, and keeps you in this. That's that's really, and, and I get a bit geeky with the technical side of it too. So not too much in the whole statistical math side of it, but the AI part of it really fascinates me and, and what keeps me going in this. So that's, that's really neat. So- yep. Looking maybe a, a bit beyond that now into the work, of course, that you did and Amazon specifically with Alexa, how, you know, after, after jumping from the NSA to, to Nuance and, and some of these other roles, how did you get recruited by Amazon to lead, lead the team responsible for Alexa? And what was it like working on a technology that would go on to impact millions of people's lives really around the world? Yeah. Well, um, so first of all, just to downplay my role a little bit, now the Alexa team is thousands of people big. But when, when I started, the Alexa, Alexa speech team was maybe a dozen people. It was a, it was a small, yeah. small group. When we, but, you know, that also meant there was a lot riding on, on our shoulders that we were trying to figure out and uh, chart the path forward. So how it came that I ended up there was that uh, I had been – um, the VP of research for a company called Yap um, Communications. And Yap had uh, some pretty good, like amazingly good technology for speech recognition for mm -hmm. a small company. And uh, Amazon was looking to build Alexa. Uh, the, the Alexa project uh, was not... Um, uh, was not known within Amazon. There was, you know, there were, you know, a, a handful of people that knew about it. It was this kind of big secret project. Because uh, it was built in that, they had it in that specific lab where all their innovation stuff comes out of, right? Forgive me, I can't remember the name of it right now. So the hardware was done in what they call Lab 126 yep. uh, uh, in Silicon Valley. Uh, the software parts of it were, uh, were in Seattle. Gotcha. Uh, uh, and, and that's where my team was uh, centered. Um, so, but, uh, but Amazon acquired our company, Yap, and, uh, and, and didn't, I mean, I've told this story a few times. I apologize if your readers are hearing it for the, for the second or third time, but Amazon wouldn't tell us why they were acquiring us. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it was frustrating to no end. Yeah. 
that you know this big company wanted us and and they they seemed to really want us and they wouldn't tell us why they wouldn't tell us what we were going to work on uh and uh, and finally after the deal was signed and we were all committed um even then it took them a week or two they said we've got to fly you all to seattle wow lewis to seattle my my team of i don't know 12 13 people um closed the door locked the locked the door closed the windows uh, so, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh nothing word of it you can't tell your families you can't tell anyone what you're working on here uh and and they described the their early vision of what the amazon echo might look like uh back in those days they described it as being as looking like a coke can uh, uh and uh and costing maybe you know 10 or 20 dollars yeah uh, and um uh, over time that morphed of course uh, as as it you know it became more important to get good quality speakers in and uh, mm -hmm. whatever. um but uh, they described the project to us and uh and that's when we realized what what we were on the hook for and and i will tell you it was uh it was unnerving because they described it as if okay you know how to do speech so now we want you to build this and we want to launch in 6 months or whatever <laughs> And 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 oh I have gosh. to say, guys, you, I'm really sorry. I hope this isn't uh, upsetting to you, but the technology just doesn't exist yet for what you're trying to do. Um, and uh, and they said, well, that's okay. Uh, hire more people. Uh, take as long as you want. Uh, we are committed to seeing this through. And uh, and so we did. So I ended up uh, hiring. I don't know, 70, 80 people, something like that. To, wow. Um, to work on this over the years, uh, and um, grew the team, and that was just focusing on the, like the speech technology part. Yeah. Uh, there were, meanwhile, other teams focused on the software engineering for integrating with applications mm -hmm. and skills, and other people looking at the hardware and uh, you know, whatever. There was a lot. There, there were there were a lot of other teams working on this, but my team focused on the speech recognition and the natural language understanding. Um, uh, you know, we grew that to like 70, 80 people by the time I left, um, uh, which was about when we launched. Um, and, um, and, and we did some groundbreaking work. It was really, it was a really exciting, heady time, uh, to do some really important work in speech recognition. Um, and, and I, I, I you know, like, just like I say, I, I wouldn't uh, trade my time at NSA. I wouldn't trade my time at Amazon. That was an amazing time. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of friends. Uh, I learned a lot, and uh, and and it's uh, served me well in in uh, the rest of my career since then too. I I love the part of the story where you where you mentioned, yeah, guys, this this technology just doesn't exist, and they're like, oh, okay, well, here's all the resources that we can give you in the world, and go go create it, make it exist. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and it worked. Yeah, and it did. And there aren't a lot of other companies that could have said that. Right. Uh, so, you know, things came together. I, I, I will say on the technology side, if this had happened five years earlier, um, we might not have been able to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it was the right people in the right place at the right company at the right time that it was just a, a perfect storm. Uh, a good a good perfect storm um to make this happen the one of the key technical um 
breakthroughs that made it possible had just happened outside of Amazon. No kidding. It happened a couple of years earlier, and that was the shift to deep learning or deep neural networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think without those, we would, I think, not have been able to solve the problem, and uh, at least not with the not not nearly in the same way uh, that that we did uh, uh, at Amazon. Right. Well, I mean, and then now I'm I'm sure just from your position to see how this technology has grown and how it has become one of the core staples of of Amazon as a company and just the devices that people want to meet. Gosh, Jeff, that is, that's just, that's so cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> so cool. Super cool. I am so, so blessed that I was part of that story uh, and, and uh, very glad for that. That's, that's amazing. So given all this now, what do you find has been the greatest challenge that you've had to face so far in your career working with these technologies, whether it was in Amazon, whether it was outside of Amazon and, and how did you, or have you been able to overcome that? Uh, you know, those are, I, I get asked that every once in a while and there's, there's, there's not a clean answer to that. Yeah. I'm going to give you a couple of answers that I, I don't know if you'll find them satisfying or not. Um, but I'll tell you that I'll two, take anything, okay. <laughs> but, I will tell, but I, but I think these are real. I think these are the real answers. Uh, it just may not be the kind of answer you were looking for. Uh, so first of all, the the biggest challenge in um, in doing this kind of stuff is uh, is the human resource part of it. That is, mm-hmm. it takes a certain kind of uh, genius, um, and I'm not calling myself a genius. I mean the people that I hire. Uh, it takes a certain kind of genius to know and understand, have the insights for how to make these complex uh, algorithms work for Mm -hmm. recognizing speech and understanding the meaning of it and so forth. Um, This is is an area where there are, you know, the number of people who can do that are, I don't know, one or 2,000 in the world or something. That's crazy. There's just not a lot of people who have that that, uh, ability to like, pierce through the problem you're trying to solve and get to an answer. So there's a talent shortage basically then. And yeah. And it's not just that it's not just that there's a shortage, like, Oh, we need to motivate more people to go into it. It's like, it takes a, it takes a real, uh, a a, a very hard set of skills to, to, to do that. And they they don't grow on trees. They're hard to find. (laughs) No. Um, uh, you know, it used to be that people would say, uh, people would say, describe something really difficult as being like rocket science or like brain surgery. Uh, but I, I think those fields are are easy compared to um, speech technology and deep learning and so forth. It, these are hard, hard uh, uh, tasks to master. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one answer to, you know, what has been the hardest thing to overcome. It is simply finding people who can who who really can work on it and and make uh, important contributions and breakthroughs um, the other part of it is it's also on the human side it's uh, sort of um, uh, we're limited by our imagination sometimes we 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 get into ruts and we think that where where we are now where the state of the technology is now is where it's got to be mm-hmm. um, and and I'll use myself as a bad example of this. When Amazon said, we want you to do this, and my answer was, oh, it can't be done. Um, I, 
I, I kicked myself afterwards. And the answer I should have given was, uh, yeah, we can do that. It's just, you know, we're not there yet. And, and we can get there. But a lot of people, they, 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 they get blinders on uh, sort of looking at the current state of technology. You know, there are people out there who are building skills for Alexa or, um, or you know, the equivalent for um, uh, Samsung Bixby or Google Home or whatever. And, and they, it's really easy to kind of believe that that is what voice technology is. And mm -hmm. it's, it's limited to the kinds of things you can implement as a skill for a smart speaker. Um, but it goes so much more beyond that. And, and, and one of the challenges we have is thinking outside the box, thinking yeah. beyond the current state of the art. No, those are, I, I would agree with you truthfully on both of those, because I, I remember as I started working in this space a couple of years ago, as I started to get to know people, I was being told left and right as well that just you look at voice as a whole, you look at speech technology as a whole. I mean, even when you consider AI, there is a only, like you said, when you, when you look at the technology itself and the skill and the brain power that needs to go into that, it's, it's a limited number of, of people. So I think that you're, you're spot on with that. And I think that may be a challenge that we'll, we'll probably see for a couple of years yet, even longer than that until I, I think more of this becomes a bit more mainstream and ubiquitous and maybe people who are going to school for one computer science field finally decide to shift more into speech tech or something else. And then the second point as well, I think you're spot on too, because to the layperson, most people think, oh, speech technology is Alexa or Google Assistant or Bixby. Well, no, when you, when you start pulling apart the layers, like you said, and you start looking at how the computer has to contextually understand language and the models that you have to build in order to do that, I mean, there, there's just so much complexity to it. So I think those are two very, very good examples. So maybe switching gears a bit now, why did you decide after all of these different companies, of course, that you worked at over the years and the impact that you made, why did you decide to start Cobalt Speech and maybe talk a bit about Cobalt Speech and, you know, who or what industries are you seeking to help with the solutions that Cobalt provides? Uh, Nick, that's a, that's a really good question. And I ask, <laughs> I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> why did I do a good paying job and, uh, uh, and, and start a new company? Um, so all of the jobs that I had worked at uh, until five years ago were, you know, I was an employee. I was, uh, yeah. I was in management, but I was an employee. And, um, and after we launched uh, Alexa uh, in 2014, I, I just, I, I felt that I needed to do something. Um, I need to go get out on my own. So one of the things that, that uh, I realized when I was working for companies is that I'd be working for a company and there would be like one product we would be focusing right. on and I would be working on that one thing. So at Nuance, I was really working on uh, dictation software. Uh, at Yap, I was really working on um, voicemail transcription. And at Amazon, I was really working on, you know, this new field that we sort of invented, the smart speaker, uh, the virtual assistant. Um, but that meant that it was, it was limited by that. And I, and, I, and I realized, you know, you could stay at one of those jobs forever. Right. Uh, or, but 
I, I, I blame it on my ADHD. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I get restless after a while and I want yep. to do something different. And, uh, and so, um, I, I looked around while I was at Amazon and, and here's, here's a true story that at Amazon, while we were there, when it finally came out, we kept it secret within the company for a long time that what we were doing. Uh, and even before we launched, it was, uh, it was secret, but people started to learn that there was this speech team, uh, in, in Amazon and other parts of the company started coming to me. And like the, the warehouse robot guys would come to me and say, Hey, can you put speech in our robot? And the customer service guys would say, Hey, can you help us analyze the conversations that our agents are having? with yeah. us?" And the, and the, uh, um, well, whatever, I, I actually shouldn't even, shouldn't, shouldn't give away a lot of the details of some of the others, but a lot of people from around Amazon would come to us and say, Hey, can you help us with this and that and the other? And, we had to say, no, we, we've got our own project we're working on and we can't even tell you what it is, but, yeah. uh, but it's going to be big. And, uh, and so we don't have time for you. And I, I just kept thinking, why isn't there someone out there who can help companies, uh, you know, build, build whatever it is that they're trying to build. Um, there, there were companies out there that would offer, you know, focused solutions for uh, this, that, or the other, but, uh, what was missing was a company that would just offer um, general expertise in speech and language technology uh, to build whatever you wanted to build so that, you know, a, a, a company like Amazon um, could, instead of hiring, uh, you know, hiring, creating its own new speech team from the ground up, they could just come in and hire a right. company to, to come in and be uh, uh, consultants and, and uh, you know, augment their work, workforce and, and build the thing that they're looking for. And that's, that's the vision I had for Cobalt, is I said, I wanna be the speech research group for 100 companies uh, that, that can all come to us and we will be able to um, develop what, whatever we need for anyone, uh, for all comers. And, and, uh, and, and that's largely, well, that's what we have done now at Cobalt over the last five and a half years, I guess. Um, and uh, it's been it's been great. So people come to us, people routinely come to us and ask us to do things that I had never thought about as even a yeah. Uh And so it's cool. So we get to we get to you know invent new things and uh, push uh, speech technology in all sorts of different directions. In the in the process, we have developed our own very solid, state of the art, you know, in, best in class speech recognition and speech synthesis and uh, uh, chatbot AI kinds of technology and, and whatever else. But then we're also doing other things of analyzing the nature of your speech and giving you feedback on your, um, you know, how confident are you sounding or how fluent are you in this? Maybe you're learning a new language. We give you feedback on, on that. I don't, I don't I don't mean to say we do that. Our customers would do that, but we develop the technology behind that. Um, uh, and so it's uh, it's been really cool to work on I don't know a hundred different projects uh, over the last uh, five or six years uh, that are just all over the map, that are exciting, that are fun, uh, and uh, and and you know we've got 
at Cobalt now, we've we've really we've got one of the leading speech teams in the world. We've got uh, a, a smallish company, but it's like twenty speech experts, which is right, uh, <laughs> like unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Amazon has more than that, but not a lot of other companies have more than that. Right, and so we're able to do uh, really cool stuff. Anyway, that's awesome. I, and I, like I rambled a little bit there. I know. I'm sorry. No, no, that's it's really cool because to your point, where just when you think, oh, you you know, voice wouldn't make sense maybe for something like this, somebody probably approaches you and is like, hey, can we do this? And then you get to push the envelope and actually, you know, invent or figure out if it actually can be done. And that that's the fun part. I agree with you that that's kind of the fun for me too. This whole thing too is figuring out where this can apply because just there's so many different problems that it can solve, and especially in the case of what you guys have done at Cobalt is you have your own speech engine as well to, to help solve these problems with, which is, which is really nifty and cool. And I know you and I have kind of talked about that too, and it's, it's very neat. So no, that's, that's amazing that you've kind of, you know, taken your collective years of experience and knowledge and everything that you've done and, and turned that into what you've done for Cobalt. That's really cool. So what are some of the best resources that you have used personally to help you continuously learn about AI and speech technology, both on the technical and the strategy side? Well, uh, again, I don't know if you're going to like my answer. But, <laughs> but the, the truth is um, that I am, I learn more from talking with smart people than I do from reading. And, uh, and so for me, it's, I, 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 my, my learning doesn't come so much from, yeah. uh, you know, reading articles or, uh, you know, things that are shared online. It comes much more books. It comes much more from my having regular conversations with either the smart people that I've hired at Cobalt who keep teaching me about what's next and uh, what's on the horizon. Uh, or or the partners and and customers and and friends that I have throughout the industry yeah that I stay in touch with and you know we we meet up at uh, at conferences and and so forth and uh first thing I want to know is okay what's new what what do you see that's exciting and and uh and I try to stay on top of it that way no, I think that's an excellent answer and i i would I would be hard pressed if if a lot of people didn't hard pressed to find anybody who didn't a lot of people who didn't do that just because I I'm the same way. I mean, gosh, Jeff, I've learned a ton just from talking to you in the past 30 minutes here. So it, it really is about finding people who are really good at their craft and then learning from them and then applying that to your own, you know, devices of whatever you're doing. So no, I, I think that's an excellent answer. And to anybody listening, me personally as well, if just, you know, one of the best places, truthfully, if you go onto Twitter, follow the voice first hashtag, there are so many amazing people to talk to and then, you know, reach out, get connections to, to, to Jeff's point, just, you know, find really good people who are, are willing to help you learn. And, and that's really one of the best ways I think to, to get a solid angle of what this is all about and keep on top of all of it because it's changing so quickly. So no, I, I think that's an excellent answer. So from your position as well, what has it been like to witness the evolution of natural language processing and natural language understanding and how advanced do you think they'll become over the next decade? Uh, it's really, it's really kind of cool to be in this field because honestly, like most of us, our day-to-day -day work, we're just like doing our job. We're, you know, yeah. talking to people, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's a lot of talking to customers, figuring out what they want, uh, 
organizing within the company, how we're going to get it done or so forth. And then, and then I step back and I, and I look at it, you know, after a year or two or 10 and I say, Oh wow, look what we built. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, it really, uh, it, it, it's really a lot of fun to um, like when I go to visit a friend and they have uh, a, an Amazon Alexa device there in their home. And I just kind of smile saying, Hey, I, I, I helped build that. Yes. Uh, I know. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, Gosh. But it wasn't, I wasn't thinking of that at the time. It was, you know, right. I was just doing my job. We we're just, you know, working on exciting stuff and excited to, to make the progress. And now you look back and you see where we've come. And, and it's been such an honor to be part of that whole uh, experience with, with so many other talented people. Um, you asked, where do I think this can go? Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I don't know. I, I see, you know, you, you see dystopian movies or uh, read books <laughs> or whatever, and you think, are we heading in that direction? Uh, am I, am I guilty of uh, of that? In my very in my first couple of years in speech, this would have been 22, 23 years ago. Uh, an academic came in to visit our offices of our speech company. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to talk to us, and he and he he was a hundred percent certain that within ten years. Um, what we were doing was going to make it so that nobody knew how to read or write anymore. Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, everything would become, you know, uh, voice based. Yeah. That, you know, there would be no reason to read anything. Uh, There wouldn't be signs anymore. And he thought this was going to happen, you know, very rapidly within 10 or 15 years. And, you know, I look back and I can laugh about it now, but at the time I thought, am I, Am I contributing to something like that? <laughs> I have to ask myself that still. Am I yeah. contributing to something that's gonna that's gonna have some negative consequences? But mm-hmm. so far, I don't see that. So far, I see, you know, I see this. Uh, you know, the technology that we're developing is helping people. That the technology that I contributed to at Dragon for for uh, you know dictating documents. Mm-hmm is helping people write books and write their family histories and, uh, and do things that they just might not have been able to do. Otherwise. Right. Well, and doctors use dragon to dictate too, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, uh, and the technology that I built at Amazon with smart speakers, uh, 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 you know, you, you could say it's going to make people lazy so that they, you know, they just, you know, talk to their smart speaker, but I don't see that. I see it yeah. as, uh, my parents who are in their eighties and they, they, they love that they depend on their echo, uh, to give them updates and, uh, get information and, and so forth. And, uh, I, I see people who use uh, these things, the, this technology to stay in touch with their loved ones, especially during like in this, uh, quarantine time that we've oh, yeah. on right now with the coronavirus. You know, people are using speech technology to to uh, reach out and stay in touch with other people or um, whatever. I, it's I I see so far everything I've seen is pointing not toward a dystopian right future, but more of a utopian future. That is, we're we're gonna uh, 
you know, we're going we're gonna to enable people to get more done, uh, have more meaningful relationships, have more, uh, uh, more productivity in what they're doing and so forth. So uh, I, I am, I, I am, I'm an optimist. Uh, and I think that this is, uh, it's going to go great places. Uh, in terms of actually telling you what the future looks like, um, I, um, the, the, uh, the baseball player Yogi Berra, uh, who said a lot of uh, uh, interesting and funny, sometimes <laughs> unintentional funny things, uh, he, uh, he's quoted as having said, um, making predictions is hard, especially about the future. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and it's just it's I I think it's it's actually the case that making predictions is impossible. I don't think any of us can see beyond a year or two. Oh no. I mean if you look at a year ago, who could have predicted that the entire world would be in a lockdown now over a new <laughs> disease that nobody I mean nobody nobody would have thought about that. Well, maybe a couple of people, but for most of the world, no. Nobody would have ever ever predicted that. That's right. And this and this 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 lockdown, this quarantine is is now influencing the world in a lot of ways that are oh, not yeah. just temporary, right? That we're going to come out of this and we're going to be better, but we will have changed in the process. And I can't even tell you how that's going to, what that, what exactly that means, but we'll be living in a different world a year or two from now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and it's, it's just, it's hard to know how that's going to contribute, you know, how voice is going to be a part of that, but I think it will be a part of that. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I'm with you. I'm I'm an optimist as well in this whole thing, because I think all of the examples you brought up about how people have been using the technology over the last couple of years, even longer than that, there, there really isn't any super nefarious things. And I know arguments, of course, can be made about, you know, I, you and I, I'm sure, have gotten our fair share of, of the privacy discussion and all that stuff. But I think that'll clear up with time and it, and it will be done right. But I think yeah. if you look at the scope, of speech technology and, and, and voice, it, there, there is no really nefarious actors that I can think of off the top of my head. And I, I hope that that doesn't come into the picture. I don't think it will. I'm, I'm with you. I'm an optimist. And I think we're, we're not going to be living in a world run by HAL 9000s. We'll be living in a world run by, well, I'm trying to think of a really positive AI. <laughs> you know, the, one of them's out there in the movies. <laughs> so... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's, it's a lot of good is going to come out of this and only more good, I think, as, as things change here in, in post-pandemic life as well. So kind of wrapping up as, as we've had this amazing discussion, I have, I have two more quick questions for you here. What tips or pieces of advice can you share for startups or anyone seeking to start a business in the voice or speech technology industry in, in 2020 and missed everything that's going on and even beyond? Oh my, uh, I, um, make sure you know what you're doing, uh, is, is the, I think that's a universal. Yes. That's a good, that's a good one to start off with. Um, so, uh, uh, but, but I mean specifically make sure you know the, the landscape, make sure you know the other players, make sure you know, make sure you're going to conferences and events where, uh, where all of this is discussed. Um, uh, but you know, just be informed, be informed about the technology, where it's going, what's, uh, what, what, what's possible. Um, and, uh, uh, that's, 
you know, a, an ounce of information is worth a pound of correction after the fact. Absolutely. I, I agree. I think some people I've talked to are, you know, just even, 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 even us, I can say at this point, you know, we're still definitely in, in startup mode. And I would, from experience, say if, if you don't know what's going on and if you're not making connections and you're not a part of the community and you're not absorbing information to your point about an ounce of knowledge is worth a, you know, a, a pound of success, truthfully, um, sorry if I screwed up that analogy there, but That's okay. it, it works either way. <laughs> um, you need to be informed and especially right now with everything going on and things changing so quickly, it's, it's crucial. So I, I think that's an excellent piece of advice. And, you know, I, some of the, the greatest companies have risen out of trying times, right? I mean, we look at the past 20 years, some companies that rose out of the 2008 financial crisis, companies that rose out of the dot-com bubble, or the dot-com bust. I mean, there's the opportunities there. You just have to be knowledgeable and, and know when to go for it, I think. Yep, I, I agree with you there 100%. So then lastly here, I always love closing on on this question because I love the different responses that, that folks who come on the show give. But what is one thing that you think someone can do today to begin leveraging AI or speech technology either personally or within their organization? Um. What what I tell my employees is uh, we need to eat the dog food that we need to, we need to we need to use our own technology and I don't mean just our own technology but we've got to use the technology. I'm surprised at how many people are in the speech or voice industry who don't routinely use it for dictating messages, uh, talking to virtual assistants, uh, or or whatever. I think we need to use it because that what that is what informs us individually as as to where the pitfalls mm -hmm. are, where where the opportunities are, and so forth. So my I think my biggest piece of advice is just embrace the technology, use it when you can, um, and uh, and then as a as a as a secondary asterisk to that, uh, find find people to talk to about it. That people are. Um, you know, if, if someone's got an idea for speech, I'm always happy to talk to them about it because I love talking about cool ideas. And I'm sure you would and, and many others would. Yep. Um, just, uh, you know, reach out and talk to people about your ideas and and uh, try to get a, an un, unvarnished look at what the, what the opportunities and pitfalls are. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice because I'll, I'll even admit, even just the, the few limited years I've been in this, I feel like I'm discovering something new by using my um, Google Home devices or using my Alexa devices every day. I swear, there's like a new feature coming out all the time. I remember I, the moment that I heard they were going to have Samuel Jackson's voice be the voice of Alexa and you can buy that for a dollar. I was on that day when it came out. It was one of the best things I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're you're right on, Jeff, that if you're in this space or even if you're not in this space because this technology is going to become so ubiquitous, just play with it, mess with it. And I think, you know, maybe also throughout the pandemic here and afterwards, we're maybe going to start seeing people using their voice assistance for more than just weather and music, some of that basic stuff, because I think people are, are almost kind of being forced to and the behavior shift is happening. Um, so no, I think that is excellent advice to close on. But Jeff, this has been an amazing discussion. I'm again, so grateful and thankful that you're able to, to share your time and, and insights with me and, and all the listeners on the show. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, what are some of the best ways for them to go about doing so? Uh, 
you can always go to our website, cobaltspeech.com. Um, you can send an, uh, an email to info at cobaltspeech.com. Uh, those are, you can follow, follow us on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we, uh, we, do, we try not to make it hard to reach out to us. So happy to, happy to hear from anyone. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thank you so much again. It's been an absolute pleasure and stay safe, still healthy. And, and hopefully this, uh, this pandemic doesn't go on too much longer. <laughs> we, we can hope. Nick, thank you so much. It's been a real joy for me to talk to you today. Yep. Thank you so much, Jeff. Artificial intelligence, voice recognition, machine learning, robot. You've been listening to the Artificial Podcast with your host, Nick Myers. Nick Myers. To stay up to date with all our latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. To learn more about how your organization can benefit by unlocking the power of AI and voice, visit www.redfox-ai.com. Until next time.